0: are talking about what it means to live love. Last week, we started this new series for the month of love, February. By the way, it's Valentine's this week, so heads up if you have a Valentine. Uh, if not, uh, find one. It's a good thing to do. Today, we talk about loving the family of God. The verse that is the text for this whole series, is Ephesians 5, 1, and 2. Let's look at this together. Uh, Do we have that? Let's, Let's try to see if we can say this, okay? Imitate God in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. I told you last week, if if you love others, and that's a sweet thing. It's a sweet aroma to God. If you don't love them well, it stinks. It stinks to them. It stinks to God. So we got to learn about what this is. Now, I realize that all of you know what we're going to say today. You know it. That's not the problem. Doing it is the problem. And this is going to be a little challenging for us today because we're, what we're called to do is love each other like brothers and sisters. And I don't know what it was like in your family growing up. Did you, lo- did you have a brother or sister to love? Did you love them well? Do you still have a good relationship with them? Anybody have a brother or sister that that's not speaking with you? I do my brother my youngest brother will not speak to any of the other 3 of us we talk to each other we talk about it i try to call him on his birthday all kinds of stuff you don't need to bother you don't need to contact me anymore it's heartbreaking i enjoy the the humor and the profound insights of peanuts linus shouts I love mankind. It's people I can't stand. That's true. I can't tell you how many times I've heard insiders, like teachers, say how fun school is when the kids are not there. And I've heard pastors say how fabulous it is at church when the people aren't there. People are messy. And God created us with our own will, with our own nature. And yet, he's desiring to restore in us his very image. I like this verse, uh, this comment that Peter made in 1 Peter 3, eight. Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other. As brothers and sisters, be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. You know, I, I think about something I heard a long time ago, and I think it's really true, that there are only two things that will last forever. And these two things are the word of God and people. That's what we ought to invest our lives in, the word of God and people. If we're going to be together for eternity, we ought to start now trying to get along. Don't you think? Oh, I can just see how well you're going to do today. on Getting along. Believe and live the word of God. Live love. So today we come to our main scripture, which is found in 1 John. I love this passage of scripture. There's, there's even a song in here. I I, just, I love it all. It's just a great passage. It has meant so much to me as I've tried to, to grow in the truth of this passage. And that's, that's my hope and prayer for you today. 1 John 4, 7 through 21. It's a big passage, and we're going to break it down. And along the way, you might find, as I did, about ten things that we want to put into practice because of this passage. If you're taking notes today, you'll see that there's ten slots to fill in. And if you're really troubled and, and you're concerned about getting all the answers right, the answers are on the bottom of the note sheet, so don't fret. Okay. So here we go. He starts out wonderfully, Dear friends. And he's calling people friends, but but John is going to say, you're more than friends. And he says, let us continue to love one another. Doesn't that kind of let you know that it's already begun and that we ought to continue it, we ought to keep doing it? And then he says, "What well, we, the whole message last week, for love comes from God. Last week we talked about this, that the God is the source of love. If you're writing things down, write that down. God's the source of love. This this love is beyond human love. This is godly love. This is where love began with God. And it's where it begins in us, too. Love begins with God in us. So if you're going to love better than your own human capacity to love, it's going to be because God is going to help So that's the good news. It says next, anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. If you love like God, you know God. You get to know him. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So, number two is that love is the defining identity of God. And it is also the defining identity of his children. Anyone, by the way, here, is not everyone. Okay, It says anyone who loves. Not just everyone loves like God. As a matter of fact, most Christians don't love like God. Are you surprised at that? Let me tell you. The moment you become a Christian, you experience salvation, love is going to come into your life, but it's not going to be perfect love. It's a process. Sometimes it takes a lifetime. Some of us had farther to go on the journey of love than others. So don't beat yourself up because you don't love perfectly. Do beat yourself up if you're not loving better today than you did yesterday, because it's a progression. We ought to grow in our love. And as the Holy Spirit becomes more and part of our lives, we are going to grow in this love because that's our identity. It's who God is, and it's who we are. Only those who really experience this new birth are able to love like God, and that's just a beginning. Human love's great, but God's love is so far beyond anything that we can hope or imagine, and I love it. It is that moment when I have these moments when I love like God loves that I realize, wow, it is real. It is true. It does work. Now you might say something like, I don't love everyone. You might even have a list of people that it's very difficult for you to love. That's okay. I hope you check them off one by one and start loving them. Now, if I don't love everyone, as this verse says, does that mean I'm not a Christian? No. It may mean that you have further in the process to go. And that's okay. This word that is used here for knows God anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God this this term knows God is actually in the Greek an ongoing knowledge it's a it really means getting to know God I am getting to know God I am getting to love better it, it it's a kind of an ongoing sense It's a continual, it's a growing, it's it's spiritual knowledge based on actual experience of God in our lives. Now, if you think that, oh, I'm a Christian, so I have to love everyone, and you go out on your own and try to love them, you're going to fail, and you're going to say, this is not working. So don't do that to yourself. What you need to do to yourself is say, I'm not loving like God. God, help me. I want to do better. That's an honest prayer. That's reality of where most of us live. Now, if you say you love everyone, I would like to talk to you about that. As a matter of fact, you probably should come up here and scan where I am today because I don't love everyone the way I ought to. I'm trying. And you know what? Here's a little trigger. If you have hard feelings for another person, you don't love that person, That's a good trigger for you. That means God wants you to pray for that person. You might want to pray for yourself a little bit on that issue too. Verse 9 says, God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. So number 3 is that you got to see here that Christ is the very demonstration of God's love. We weren't getting it with the law. The law doesn't help anybody love, you know? We have laws, you know, okay, you have to love each other. We're we're part of the family, so you have to love each other. That's a law. Until Christ came and demonstrated that, we we didn't really get it. And it's really even hard for us now, even with the Holy Spirit. It's tough. Because undeserved as it is god loves us while we're still sinners and it's hard for us to do that but know this god loves you that's the source of love that's where love begins god loves you you ought to love each other how many times does that say that in the bible then verse 10 says this is real love not that we loved god but that he loved us and he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. There's that word again, sacrifice. God loved, and how, how full was his love? How rich was his love? It was sacrificial love. And that's what number four is. Real love involves sacrifice. Now, if you've been a parent, you know this, at least if you're a good parent. Good parents have times when they sacrifice their own sleep for their kids. Did that ever happen to you? I didn't get up with the kids when they were little as much, uh, you know. But often I, you no, know, sometimes I, I felt a foot in my back. It's your turn! And I did not get up out of love. I got up out of compulsion. And there was sacrifice. Real love involves sacrifice. And this word sacrifice in the Greek is hilamos. It means to atone, to expiate. Or in the King James Version, this is a, a word that is only appears one time in all of King James in the New Testament. Propitiation. Did you ever hear a sermon on propitiation? I hope you did. And I hope you were confused as I was. What does this mean, hilamos? It simply means to make things right. Atonement. God is making things right for us with himself. Make things right. That's that's what we do when we love. And when it involves sacrifice... We're giving of ourselves to try to make things right. And what about if the other person doesn't even notice or care or even respond to our love? That hurts, doesn't it? And yet, God did that for us. He sacrificed for us. He made things right with us. Verse 11 says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Now, when John says ought to, that lets me know that not everyone has arrived at the ought to. We still ought to do this. It's something we ought to do. Do you ever ought on yourself? I remember Milton Poole, wonderful, godly Christian man. He'd been a minister for many years, and he became a a Christian counselor just for me. He moved to our church in Salem and became a counselor on staff. And every so often, he'd just wander down to my office and, and give me counseling. It was just conversation, but it was real counseling. And I needed it, and he noticed it, and he just did it in a kind and loving way. And I just treasure that friendship. It made a difference in my life. I remember the day he came into my office, and he said, Hey, I was just reading something. I want to share it with you, because you'll get it. And he said, Don't should on yourself and he was doing a play in words, and I was thinking this great ordained elder is making a kind of a funny that's kind of borderline naughty. Don't should on yourself. Ought to. Should. We lay a heavy burden on ourselves when we try to love in our own accord. We ought to do it. It's not easy. But as the Holy Spirit helps us, as we remember how much God loves us, we have the ability to love more. Human love runs out. It it dries up pretty quick. Uh, The honeymoon is over, you know, and it also lacks the purity. It it lacks the vitality uh, of love that, that comes straight from God. God's love is real love. If we're having a difficult time loving someone, who is not exactly lovable, we need to revisit the source of love. God. We need to go back to God and say, God, here's a good prayer. God, I can't stand that person you want me to love. It's hard for me to love them. And let me just tell you some of the things, God, that are going on that I'm feeling that I can't stand. And God God will be patient. He will listen. He loves to hear honest prayers. And in all of that, you can then say, But God, help me. I know what you want for me, and I am not there yet. Would you bring me a step closer to your kind of love? Number five, contemplating his love, though we don't deserve it, enables us to love others who don't deserve it. Because that's what love is. If we only love those who deserve it, our list would be pretty short. And those who love us would be pretty short. Would there be anybody on that list? We don't deserve it. And God loves us anyway. While we're still sinners, He loves us anyway. And He expects us. He thinks we ought to do the same. And He gives us the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. Remembering Christ's sacrifice on the cross, that helps us show kindness and generosity to others. But it is the Holy Spirit that provides the abundant supply of love long after our reserves run out. Verse 12. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love, is brought to full expression in us. So what is this full expression? What do we do if if we're not used to saying I love you? Or what, what, What do you do if you're shy? Does that get you off the hook? You don't have to love others if you're shy? This passage isn't saying how many people that you ought to love but how much you ought to love the people that God has brought into your life. You don't have to love the whole world. God loved the world so much he gave his son, and we only can handle a small portion of that. But that's number six. Our job is to love faithfully the people that God gives us. Um, There are some people that I wish God would not have given me, okay? Just being honest today, talking about real love today. So what about Jake? Jake uh, texted me yesterday, and I've been keeping in pretty regular contact with him. Um, And Jake's a troubled soul. I'm I'm wondering, what can I do for Jake? And, I mean, we've tried to help him. So many people, Joe particularly tried to help him. Tim has really tried to help him. And, you know, his aunt has just been more than generous with him. And it doesn't seem to make a difference. So, Jake texted me, called me, and then later texted me. It was so funny because it said, Pasture. <laughs> I guess he has a spell checker on his uh, phone because he typed in pasture and it came out pasture. And I thought, eh, well, you know, in the field, little sheep, all that, it works, okay. He says that he really needs a room. He's been renting an apartment and, you know, its he's just not able to afford it. Because the other thing he needs is a job. And I agree, he needs a job. If he had a good job, he could stay at his apartment where he's at now but those those aren't the the real issue the issue is he needs god i mean if he had god in his life and 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 he really was trusting god if he had the church in his life he has a few of the church people in his life but he doesn't have the power of the church in his life because he hasn't been here for a year or more he hasn't been to bible study for a long time and yet we keep this contact going. He called me up when I was at the hospital uh, the first day after Colette's surgery. She had just gotten to her room, and I got this call from Jake. And guess what my feeling was? I don't want to take this call! Just to be honest, you know? And I then thought, okay, you're old, mature, you don't have to just deal with your feelings that way. You're a pastor, you ought to do this. So I, I took the call. And I never know if he's going to be up or down, because he has huge ups and downs. And and he says, hey, pastor, how about let's go out for a hamburger? Which usually he calls when he's hungry and he wants me to take him out to lunch. And, and I'm glad to do that. Um, oftentimes, you know, and, and he, he calls it like weird times 130 hey you want to have lunch well jake i already had lunch today but so jake has given us the opportunity to love and he needs a room anybody want to rent him a room in your house should you rent him a room in your house he needs a job I know he needs a job, but no kidding, I have helped him get three jobs. And all three of these jobs, he worked at least one day. And so I said to him yesterday when we were talking, I said, Jake, you can get jobs. There's lots of jobs around. Your problem is not needing a job. Your problem is keeping a job. And so I talked to him about that, and, and I realized what he really needs is God, and he needs a family of God around him to help him. And so I said, I will ask the people three things. Will you please pray for Jake? And will you pray that he gets a job and that he finds a room? But mostly, would you pray that he finds God in his life in such a way that's a life-changing experience? Because until he makes that choice, there is not much we can do for him. Now, should we love everybody? Yes, Pastor, we should love everybody. Should we love Jake? What does that mean? How do we love Jake? And, you know, I'm thinking about this all the time. What to do for Jake. What can I do to really help Jake? Tim has been just great. Joe was great and 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 had to kind of pass him off as, as things in his life changed. But Joe, I'm glad you brought Jake into our lives. And you have great love for him, and I know you pray for him. I just am desiring for God's will for Jake. Now, a lot of you have Jakes in your life, right? Some of you have Jakes in your own family. Some of you have children that are like Jake and the answer is not just to not be drinking and and to to be healthy and and to get a job and get a room and all those kind of things Jake needs God and until he sees that and until we help him see that things are not going to change in his life no matter what we do So I invite you, let's join in prayer for Jake. Let's make a difference in his life for God. We're at verse 13. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. So when you feel nudgings of the Holy Spirit, that's proof that God's in you. If you feel nudgings and you deny that, that's proof that you have further to go along the perfecting of love. Verse 14 says, Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes, John had seen Jesus, and we now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. John is the only one of the original 12 disciples to live into old age. All of the rest of them, somewhere along the way, gave their life for love for the love of God, for the love of Christ. And John lives to be an old man. He says this, All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them. And they live in God. If you have confessed your sins to Christ and asked Him to be your Savior, you have God, you have love living in you. And it might be small, it might need to grow, but Praise the Lord, it does grow. As we worship, as we attend Bible studies, as as we serve, God's love grows in us. And it actually eventually even becomes perfect love. God's love is perfect. And when we love like God, it's, it's just the right fit at the right time. Through the Holy Spirit, God lives in Christians. He was present on the earth in his son, and at that time, he could be seen. But Jesus can no longer be seen on earth in bodily form because he's returned to heaven. Yet, he can be seen through, what is it? It's the love that believers have for God and each other. That is a demonstration of Christ on earth, our love for one another. So number seven, with the Holy Spirit, in each of our lives, Christians can love one another. We are able to love one another. Now, we started out with loving God, who's perfect and good, and loved us first. Then now we're supposed to love each other within the church body. Wait till next week. We get to love others who aren't in the church. You might want to skip next week. I know I want to. verse 16 we know how much god loves us and we have put our trust in his love have you put your trust in god's love god is love and all who live in love live in god and god lives in them and as we live in god our love grows more perfect. This word also is better translated in modern English as complete. God wants to complete his love in you. He wants you to trust in his love and complete it in you. So, we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. You love that. Casts out all fear, right? Perfect love casts out all fear. If we're afraid, it is not, it, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. So we don't trust him. Do you trust God? Do you trust God even when bad things happen in your life and your family? you trust God even then? Because people can let you down. They may say they love you, and they simply mean, I love you as long as you do what I want. Most young um, grooms are like this. They love because they get love. But there's no confidence in that kind of love. You cannot trust a person like that. You may fear that kind of conditional love, and, and it could be withdrawn at any time. This is not God's perfect love. Perfect love cancels fear. This Greek word means not just cancel, not just cast out. It means throw it in the trash. That's what that means. Perfect love throws your fear in the trash where it belongs. Love is confident. There is confidence in love. When God loves you, you can be confident that. We love each other, verse 19, because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, but hates his Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? Wow, strong language. If we say we love God, but hate fellow Christians, we are alive. Verse 21. Last week we talked a little bit about how love is a feeling. Oftentimes in human relationships it starts with a feeling. But it's, it's also a, a willpower of the mind and soul. There is such thing as physical love and emotional love. And, and, and when we think about spiritual love, it comes down to this. Verse 21. And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. A command. Love is a command. And when it's empowered by the Holy Spirit, it can be accomplished regardless of our feelings. I don't know if you've ever said something like this, because I have. I love you, but I don't like you right now. And I think, you know, that's honest. Because love can overcome feelings. Perfect love. It casts out fear. i am tell you about Gary. Gary was in a Bible study that I was a part of in Salem years ago. I mean, we had young kids, and, and he was a... He was a mailman, a post office worker. He took his lunch to work. He was a very methodical type person. And so I loved being in Bible study because, boy, any time we would talk about something, Gary would try to put it into practice. He was just one of those Christians that every time he learned something new, he wanted to do it wholeheartedly. So he takes his lunch. He would often go down to this little park in West Salem that was on his, his mail route, and, and he would stop there and and maybe he it was nice, he'd sit at a bench or picnic table and, and one day he was down there and he would, he told me this story and I and I love this story. He told me about he saw this little girl and and she was just precious. She had these long golden curls, and she's just running around on the park playing on the monkey bars and, and stuff like that. And he goes, Wow, what a what a lovely little girl. How precious. And he's looking around the park. There's quite a few people. It's a sunny day. Sunny days in Oregon, people go to the park, okay? So, and he notices this guy sitting over on this blanket. It was kind of a tattered blanket. And here's this guy. And he's kind of, maybe a beer belly, I don't know. And he kind of was unshaven and and looked kind of shoddy. And and, and, and Gary's kind of thinking, wow, what a creep. (laughs) What a disheveled person. Wow. What? I mean, get a job, guy. What are you doing sitting here at the park when you should be out looking for work or whatever? You know, I... And what happened next really is the way God got to Gary and then Gary got God to me. Because that precious little girl ran over to that man and leaped into his arms and threw her arms around him and said, I love you, Daddy. And Gary was wondering, who was showing love that day? It was that little girl. And little children often know how to love better than we. What has happened to us? How has the world gotten to us to the point that we don't love ourselves and we don't love others the way God intends for us to love? The whole teenage years is all about trying to get through that and trying to love yourself and know what it means to love others. Pray for teenagers. It's a hard time when you're driven mostly by emotions. Pray for young lovers who want to get married because their minds seem to be gone, blinded by love. When Gary saw that little girl throw her arms, he understood what God meant by perfect love. Was that dad perfect? Not by any means. I suppose. I don't know his story. But that little girl felt love. And in that moment, she loved like God. And that's what we are to do. More and more each day, live and love like God. Live love. We are to live our love for God and we are to live our love for fellow Christians. Now, you don't have to do anything more than that until after next week. But if we would just do that, if we would really love God and we would really love our fellow believers, then we might have the capacity to to hear and do next week's message. Ephesians 4, verse 15. Speak the truth in love, growing in every way, more and more, more and more and more every day more and more and more like Christ have you arrived at your perfect christian status probably not are you getting closer to what god wants you to be i hope so after all You are here in church today. You have a Bible. Do you read it? You have an opportunity to pray. Do you pray? These are ways that we can really love like God. I don't care what else you do in your Christian life. If you love the way God wants you to love, all those other things will come along. Do you realize that? Jesus said, it's love. John says, God is love. And that's what he wants you to be. That's what we are. So here is the problem, and we're going to pray. We say we love God, but we don't really. We're not really trusting God. And if you feel like you can't love someone, maybe somebody in your own family, then that's an opportunity for God to work in your life. And would you just open your heart and your mind and your soul, and your body, all to love like God. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, help us. We we have been loved by you. We know that. We're here. We're the, we're the church. And Lord, we need to love better. Help us. Don't take away our guilt and shame, relieve it. And let us know that in you, with your Spirit, we can do better. We can put our trust in your kind of love. So, Lord, I thank you for the honest prayer of "I don't love that person." That help me, Lord. I pray for Jake today. Because, Lord, sometimes he is very unlovable. And thanks for bringing him into our way so that we might help him know you. Lord, I pray, and I especially pray right now for those who have a family member that that maybe they're not talking or maybe they're just not getting along or maybe they're just not being in a kind of a loving relationship that you want. Lord, it's not easy in our families. Lord, I pray for that husband and wife who aren't loving each other the way they should. I pray for that parent who's finding a hard time loving that kid, and that kid who just won't behave. Lord, what potential we have to love like you. Would you just make that real? Hear our prayer, Lord. Help us love more like you. And we can only do that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.